Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Turning your Bibles to Genesis 35. We'll get ready to start here. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for not only giving the word, but for pouring out your spirit to us to make known your words to us. And this is what we're praying for this morning, Lord, as we open now. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household, to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alon Barkut. And God appeared unto Jacob again, and when he came out of Padanaram, and he blessed him, and God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel. Okay, now. In our last study, you remember that we saw how Jacob, after many years, he started back to Bethel. And it's almost as if he was chased back to Bethel because Laban and all the trouble that he brought to Jacob, he just chased Jacob back to Bethel. And then he came to Shechem and all the trouble that that happened there in Shechem. And then that just chased Jacob back to Bethel. And then Simeon and Levi, and and they brought into Jacob's all that trouble, and that traced Jacob back to Bethel. And then the Rachel and her strange gods that, that she had in her household harboring them and, and, and the defilement of Dinah, all those things just chased Jacob back to Bethel. All these troubles, they just overwhelmed Jacob and, and, and they're just too much for him. And really, the picture that we saw of Jacob in this last verse of the last chapter where he's standing there before Simeon and Levi and they're, they're, they're rebelling against him, they're standing him down to his face. It really is a picture of Jacob at this point in his life. Jacob is just plain, he's worn out. He's worn out trying to cope with all these life problems on his own. He's just come to the end of his rope and he's just, he knows he needs God. And, and, and so he, he, he knows he can't continue this way of life. And so at the start of this chapter, Jacob is really at the lowest point 
in his life. And that's when God meets Jacob and says to him, Jacob, go back to Bethel. And that was God drawing Jacob back to Bethel. So what drew Jacob back to Bethel was that it was there that God met, first met Jacob, and it's been a really hard two decades in Jacob's life. From that, from that point when he saw the ladder that night when he was sleeping. So Bethel represents for Jacob God. Because what Jacob remembers about Bethel is that that's where God is, the house of God. And it represents this time when Jacob was the closest to God. And Jacob just wanted to go, and he wanted to get back to Bethel. So Jacob's really being chased back to Bethel by the hard circumstances that he's had in his life. And he's being drawn back to Bethel by the invitation of God at the start of this chapter. And so all those people who caused him so much trouble, they pushed Jacob back to Bethel. And then comes a command in verse one there. And so Jacob's pushed back to Bethel. Jacob's pulled back to Bethel. And that picture of Jacob being pushed and pulled is a pretty accurate picture of man. Because the description of the human heart in Jeremiah 17.9 is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, what's the word? Wicked and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't even know it. See, wicked is the word the Bible uses to describe the human heart. The wicked are proud and pride drives a man away from God. That's what David said in Psalm 10 verse four. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. And God is not in all his thoughts. So by nature, we don't seek God. And God is not in all our thoughts. God is not in any of our thoughts. Therefore, for a man for a man to come to God, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's our state. But for a man to come to God, he needs to be pushed by his sin and the trouble that causes in his life, and then pulled by God's invitation to him. You know, so many people we bring the gospel to, and they're, they're happy to listen, and they discuss, and they'll, they'll want to debate, and they even understand the gospel. Yes, yes. But they don't, they just don't put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why not? Because they're not experiencing the push and the pull toward God. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do? We've explained, they understand, they can even repeat the gospel back to us, but they don't put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time we need to pray, to pray that they'll be like Jacob. They'll feel the push coming from the end of their, their rope and that pull, seeing in the Bible, God's invitation to come to him. So, but when we read in verse six of Jacob coming back to Bethel, when it says in verse six, Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that's Bethel, we just feel this, this relief, this joy that finally comes to Jacob. I mean, can't you just see Jacob in verse six when he just arrives back there and, and he's back to Bethel? I mean, I wonder if in verse six, he just thought to himself, he's just coming back, wow, here I am back to Bethel. I wondered if I'd ever get back to Bethel. It's been over 20 years. And there was that wonderful night. I still remember it. It was like the, I fell asleep. There was the ladder. And I, I'm finally back to Bethel. Oh, it feels so good to be back. That's a picture. That's a picture of a Christian who in his life has just wandered away from God. Maybe it was some big sin 
that drove him away from God. Or maybe it was just little slips here, little slips there, just little by little. You know, the Song of Solomon in verse, in chapter two, verse 15, song 215, it says, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Maybe it was just a little foxes, just a little neglecting to read the Bible that just became a big neglect of reading the Bible, just a little neglecting to pray, just a little neglecting to go to church, little foxes that spoil the vine. It reminds me of the man who, who came to the child evangelism booth when Scott and I were there last Friday. He was all tattooed up. I mean, he was tattooed up. I mean, you know, he, he had the charger symbol tattooed on each side of his head, you know. And so he was a Christian. And he told me, well, he used to go to church, but just fell away. And I asked him, why? What happened? He said, well, he says, I, I just became too busy. He says, my business is construction. I mean, you know, just framing, drywall, all that stuff. And there was just, just this one job that he took on Sunday and skipped church. And then it was a regular scheduling of his construction jobs on Sundays. And so he just dropped church altogether. And as for going to church at another time, well, he just became too busy too busy. And he had a little girl that came into the booth. And the little girl, he says, but you know, the situation is, my little girl is asking me about God. And so I'm just telling her as best I can. But, but when he saw the child evangelism booth, oh, he, he thought, okay, great. I'll bring her in there to hear about God. What happened in his life? Little foxes that spoiled the vine. But the great encouragement in verse six is that there's always a way back to Bethel. And it doesn't matter what the reason is that a Christian has strayed away from God. It doesn't matter how long a Christian has been away from God. When a Christian just remembers how it used to be, how joyful it was to read the Bible, how comforting it was to pray, how sweet it was to have fellowship, that's the time to come home to God. And that's what we see in verse 6. When Jacob came back to Bethel, Jacob was coming home to God. And so in verse 7, we see how fixated Jacob was on God when he, when he got back to Bethel there. God told Jacob, look, your first priority when you get back to Bethel, build your personal altar. And so that's what he said in verse one. God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest in the face of Esau thy brother. And we see Jacob now in verse seven, he's fulfilling He's obeying here. So he, he built there an altar in verse seven, called the name of the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of, of his brother. What do you think that building of the altar represented for Jacob? What was he meaning? What was he expressing when he built that altar? What do you think? Oh, I want to be in the presence of God. So really, you would say, you, you, really, we can, no, it's true. He had a desire. When he built that altar, he had a desire. He was building in that altar, he was expressing his intense desire to be in the presence of God, as you said, Bill, right. Just like the prodigal son that we talked about, he passed from the stage of, of just being hungry, hungry to the stage of starving. Well, Jacob had gone through the stage of being hungry for God. Now he was starving for God. That was right. It was an intense desire. What else was he expressing in building that altar besides desire? Okay, he was committing himself to what, would you say? Yeah, see, it was a commitment to follow God, which was really 
O-B-E-D-I-N-C-E, right? It was obedience for him. Jacob built the altar. This was expressing obedience, as Diana said. It was an act of a commitment to follow God. He, it was an act of obedience to God. He had been ordered by God, in verse 1, to build the altar. And when he got there and built the altar, he was committing himself to obey God. He obeyed God. Okay, what else? What else was Jacob expressing when he built the altar? What was the altar representing to Jacob when he built the altar? What was it? Well, it was, yeah, it was certainly forgiveness because it was, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But really, for him, it was an expression of gratitude. He was just thankful. I mean, how was God leading him to be thankful in verse 1? Look at verse 1. How was God leading Jacob to be thankful? What would you say? Leading him to be thankful in verse 1 in building the altar. Thankful for what? Yeah, he's telling him, said, Jacob, the reason you're going to build the altar was because God appeared to you in your deepest need. And when you were fleeing from the face of, of Esau, remember that time, Jacob? He was out for your blood. See, a healthy Christian is a thankful Christian. And that's why God wants us to be thankful to him. Because when a Christian is thankful, a Christian is not worrying. A Christian is not anxious about some problem. Thanksgiving is therapeutic for the Christian. And it also opens the door for God to pour more blessings on us. God loves to pour blessings on a thankful Christian. That's what he means in Psalm 50, verse 23, Psalm 50, verse 23, when it says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me and to him. To who? The person offering praise, the person who's thankful. To him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. It's to the thankful person that God shows all these blessings. God loves to rescue those who are thankful so God wanted Jacob to be thankful. That was the reason why you're supposed to build the altar, Jacob, because you could be supposed to be. That's why God led Jacob to use the opportunity of building the altar to be thankful. What should, what should Jacob be thankful for to God when God appeared to him when he fled from the face of Esau? What, what should he be thankful for? Okay, deliverance, deliverance, okay, deliverance from God. What position was God in when, when Jacob saw God at the top of the ladder? What position was God in? Anybody remember? Okay, what was God doing? Was he lying down? Was he, uh, t was he, was he sitting on his throne? You remember? Well, the angels were climbing. God wasn't climbing. <laughs> That's right. He was standing. In Genesis 28, 12, Genesis 28, 12, he dreamed, and behold, the ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. So he was standing. So when he says, look, you remember that time when you fled? Yeah. Okay, now you give thanks. What am I going to thanks for? The, the fact that God was standing. What message did that send to Jacob from seeing God standing? at the top of the ladder. No message with that. Does that make any difference? Okay. He's standing there. He's standing there at the top of the ladder. And 
when, when do you stand up? When you're sitting down, when do you stand up? When, <laughs> when I ask you to stand, when you, know, you, you stand up because when, when, you're, when you've got a real, whoa, this is important. You know, let's all stand to read the scriptures. Why? The scriptures are important. You know, see, it, so for God to be standing at the top of the ladder in Jacob's case was showing to Jacob, I'm important to God. He's taken a special interest in me. It's not just, you know, oh, yeah, Jacob, another problem. Yeah, go take care of it. I don't want to deal with him. Yeah, and then he runs, and then he runs. He doesn't sit there and says, well, it's about time you go back here. (laughs) He ran to him. See, so that's it. So So Jacob, be thankful for the attention that God puts on you. Now, 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 and then what did he see the angels doing on the ladder? They were going up and down. They're going up and down. What message did that send to Jacob? You see these angels going up and down over his head as he slept there. There's a communication there. That's God's servants. They're in constant action, helping Jacob, bringing messages back, sending help down. So by building this altar, Jacob is expressing his thanks to God for making his angel servants to be constantly in movement to help Jacob. And then in verse 3, Jacob turns to his family and he tells them, that why we're all going to Jacob. Hey, everybody, we're going to Jacob. What were the two reasons in verse 3 that Jacob gave to his family as to why he was going to build that altar to God? Verse 3. You look at verse 3. Verse 3, he's telling his family two reasons why he's building the altar. Okay, first he answered me. That's the first reason. He's saying, I'm building this altar because God answered me. What's the second thing? He was with him. He was with him, right. So Jacob is thankful to God for answering him when he was fleeing from Esau. That's interesting. You know, we didn't read that about Jacob when we were, when we were, when we were studying that passage there. We didn't read Jacob was praying to God before he went to sleep that night, but he was, evidently. And he told his family he was. And he shows us something, you know, we didn't read about it. But, you know, people are praying to God and we don't have any idea. You know, that, that reminds me of what happened to Johanna in, in, in Montreal during the summer, during the summer blitz. She came to a door of a Jewish family. Young lady in her 20s answers the door. They talked for a few minutes. Then Johanna asked her the question, what will happen to you? He, she asked, she asked, what will happen to you question, you know? What would happen to you if you died today? Okay? The young lady stands there stunned. And then she just tells Johanna that, you know what? Before you open the door, I'll uh, be sorry. Before you knocked on the door, she said, I was looking in the mirror, asking myself that very question. God heard that lady's question and then sent Johanna there to answer with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ from John eleven twenty five. Jesus saith unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So in building this, this altar here, Jacob is thankful to God for answering prayer. I mean, what prayers are you and I thankful to God for? Jacob built an altar for answering his prayer. What have you and I done for God as an expression of our thankfulness for specific prayers that God has answered? Okay, second, Jacob's altar here is an expression of his thankfulness to God for being with him during these 20 years. I mean, Jacob looked back over his 20 years and he saw, I've been preserved, I've been blessed, and there's only reason, there's only one reason I can give you for that, and the reason is God. That's it. So here again, Jacob, he's a model for the Jewish people. 
He's a model for the Jewish people. Why? Because the Jewish people, they look at Israel today. You know what they say when they look at Israel? We did it. That's what they say. We did it. Just ask them. (laughs) But King David, he longs for his Jewish people to don't say that. We did it. But to say God did it. And in, and, and in the Psalms, Jacob is training his people. When you look at Psalm 124, that's a whole training of King David, king of the Jews there, to train the people. In Psalm, in Psalm 124, one says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us. You see what he's saying there? Israel say this, if it had not been the Lord. Then they would have swallowed us up quick, and their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, and the stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord, who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare's broken. We are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. It's a training that King David is giving to them. Stop saying we did it and start saying God did it. Now, when you look at verse seven, what's the reason stated here again that Jacob built the altar? He says it again. That's right. And he says here, he says, he built an altar and now comes this word, this word, because it's so important. It emphasizes a reason why Jacob is building the altar. You know, some might look at Jacob and say, well, Jacob, he's just building the altar because he's, uh, he's just especially religious. That's why he's doing that. But if you ask Jacob, why, Jacob, are you building that altar? He would say, clearly, I'm building this altar because of a specific event in my life, which was when God appeared to me when I fled from the face of my brother. Now, if someone's to ask you today, why do you go to church? I mean, could you give an answer like Jacob did? Could you cite a specific event in your life that you're so thankful to God for that that's the reason why you go to church to worship God? And now we see the name that Jacob gives to this altar in verse seven. He built there an altar, and what did he call it? El Bethel, El Bethel. So here Jacob, when Jacob names this place El Bethel, he's doing something very significant here. I mean, after all, it already had a name. The place was already called Bethel. What's the matter? You don't like that name, Jacob? We have a seminary called Bethel Seminary. <laughs> What's wrong with Bethel? Why would Jacob give a new name to the place that already had a name? The answer is because by renaming the place, Jacob is striving to emphasize something. The place already had a name, Bethel. What does Bethel mean? House of God, house of God. What does El Bethel mean? God of the house of God, that's it. So what is Jacob emphasizing when he feels this need to rename the place, the place God of the house of God? No, no, house of God's not good enough. Now it's got to be God of the house of God. See, in his first name, and Jacob gave this name, by the way. Jacob gave both names. In his first name of Bethel, Jacob emphasized house. Wow, I'm in the house of God. House was the focus. But in his renaming of the place, El Bethel, Jacob is saying, no, wait a minute, I want to put a new emphasis here. And the emphasis is God. God was to be the focus.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.